On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Matthew Pohl from the Rewild Group. We had an awesome conversation all around the stages of business growth. He talked about the seven different stages of business growth and how as a leader, you know, you need to shift your leadership style throughout those stages, what those stages exactly are and why it's so important. Uh, as you can see, this episode uh, is uh, going to be about 40 minutes altogether. Uh, and uh, we don't normally go quite this long, but I had a million questions for Matthew and it really helped me wrap my mind around around some of these different stages and probably a lot of those that you guys are in some of those trend transitory stages right now. Uh, you guys are not going to want to miss this one. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, how about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com grow. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am joined by Matthew Pohl from the Rewild Group. We are going to be talking all about what it takes to move from that sort of small, medium-sized business, slogging it out, uh, to actually creating a, a, a bigger business and moving you know, into that sort of next category. And I know a lot of us are in that same kind of situation, really looking forward to talking to somebody who seems so far like he's a lot smarter than I am. So without further ado, Matthew, welcome to Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks, Jordan, for having me. Absolutely. So for people who know nothing about you or nothing about Rewild, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, that's great. I'm a 20 plus year entrepreneur. Uh, started my first business at 35 when I had four small children and jumped in out of a nice comfy corporate job into entrepreneurship. Currently own eight businesses. So I've, I've seen a lot of failures, <laughs> which I believe are a prerequisite to success. You will not get be successful without failing. So that, that that's a hard lesson for me because I'm kind of a perfectionist. Uh, but uh, it's been during those decades that has, has helped me realize that that's just part of the, the plan. I, so, I want to uh, step in. I want to step in there for one second, Matthew, because I feel like that's yeah. really profound. What what you said there. I remember when my my grandpa was still alive. Um, he was quite a quite a business guy, and he had said to me, "He's like, Jordy, I, I would never trust somebody who hasn't gone bankrupt." And I asked him, "I was like, well, have you gone bankrupt?" And he's like, "No, but I've been really close." And <laughs> and and, uh, and so I didn't really understand. I was in my early twenties at the time, and I went through my my first business years ago and got as close to bankruptcy as possible uh, when I was right. 23. And and then I remember remembered that moment from, uh, you know, when we were going through all that from what my grandpa had said. And I was like, yes, it's so true. And I, I always look for that in partners now as well uh, in the businesses that we run. I'm like, have you ha have you made the mistakes yet? Have you has something right. cost you a massive amount of money and you've learned from it? Because if not, uh, I don't think that we're ready to work together. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, your grandpa is totally right on that. 
Uh, I don't know if I've looked for bankruptcy as the as the sign, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's... you you have to be able to bounce back from success and and setbacks because that's that it it will happen. So. Absolutely. So besides your eight businesses, what else, what, what do you do? What are, what, what, what kind of value are we adding today for, for our listeners? Yeah. So the focus today is really on, uh, what we're doing at the rewild group. And, uh, this is a, uh, Colorado, Colorado based really research and development company. We have taken intellectual property of research that, uh, covered several decades of small and mid-sized businesses. And it looked at now over 1,500 small and mid-sized businesses in dozens of industries. And it was trying to ask the question, why, why do some businesses grow? Uh, why, why do others kind of start to grow and get stuck? And why do some businesses never start to grow? And so mm. it was really this growth-oriented question that we were trying to solve through this uh, research. And what came out of this is is something we find to be remarkable. And when people, uh, CEOs I talk to that look at the methodology, they say, I'm just astonished at how, how accurate this is. This really mm-hmm. tells the story of what I've experienced in, in a different way. You know, some things I felt in my gut, this really codifies into a, a real uh, framework for me. And so- awesome. One of the key concepts in when we talk about why do businesses not not uh, grow successfully, how can why do they not grow sustainably, is that there is a a uh, a driving factor which is really the complexity of the organization that is really driving how that organization uh, operates, and so we see human organizations as really ecosystems, that there are these dynamic interrelated parts. And we see it more as a, like I said, an ecosystem as opposed to a machine. And what's important to understand is that the rules of having that organization be healthy change as you add more complexity. Mm. And so the question is, is, well, what drives complexity? Is it the age of the business? Is the amount of revenue the business is uh, generating? The answer is actually the number of people that are involved in that organization. So the more people gotcha. you add, the more complexity there is. And, and why, why is that? Like, like what, what is What does that like practically kind of look like? Like why, why adding? Cause, cause really like you think about adding to a nine person organization, a 10th person, mm-hmm. what, what is the reason why that is not just a 10% increase and, and potentially more? Yeah. So, um, well, what our research found is that um, that there are ranges of the number of people in which the complexity is stable enough that you have a set of rules associated mm-hmm. with it or best practices. We call them rules, yeah. but they're kind of like a best practices. And so it, your example is, is great because, for example, the first stage, there's seven stages of growth is what we call them. And each stage is defined by, defined by a number of, of full-time equivalents, number okay. of employees, basically. And so, example, a st- startup stage, which is stage one, has one to 10 employees. And what we actually find is that once you add that 11th employee, you are now into the next stage and the rules have started to change. Hmm. And so uh, 
the next stage is from 11 to 19, specifically 11 to 19 employees, okay. yep. during which you're in stage two. And so what happens, what, what we've learned is that organizations stop growing because the leadership doesn't understand that they've gone from playing one game, the stage one game, and now they're in stage two, and they keep on playing stage one rules. They keep on mm. acting like they're in stage one. They don't realize that things have changed underneath of them. Uh, they, they may feel some of that. They may recognize some of that, but they they don't see clearly. And yeah. kind of the, kind yeah. of the way we, we describe it is it's like entering a room that you've never been in before with the lights out. It's very hard to navigate that room gracefully, right? You're probably going to stumble you know and hit your shin. You know it's a room, <laughs> you know right? It's got the you properties know? of a room, <laughs> and it's and it's a different room than the room you're in. But basically, what happens to CEOs is we get into this next room, and it's all trial and error, right? You know, so, we have gut. You know, we have we have intelligence, but there's a lot of shapes here that are just not very clear, and so. The whole reason we built this methodology is we want small businesses to grow as much as they want. You don't have to grow to stage seven, but you want to grow to what's right for you. And and what yeah. in my interaction with hundreds of CEOs, it's I've stopped growing because when I try to grow past where I am, I I I meet failure, I mm. meet confusion, I meet uh, complexity and chaos. And I don't want to go there, so I stay here. And mm, that's usually what comfortable happens. And where I know and the people. I, I just want to step in here for one second, Matthew, because I, I feel like yeah. I'm a really good test test case for this because we've got multiple okay. businesses that are in that in those two little ranges there. And I right. like what you're saying. I'm like, yes, I've experienced. It. I know exactly what you're talking about. And and uh, alongside of the what one thing, and I, maybe I'll touch on this too, is I found that some of the people that were in room one actually can't come into room two. There's sure. not a place for them in room two. And that's a really, that has been this year for, for us and a lot of our businesses is like, Oh no, what, what brought us, what brought us to this stage is not going to bring us to the next stage. That's right. Sometimes that's people. Sometimes it's process. Sometimes it's strategy and sometimes just how you're thinking. Right. Mm. Um, but for example, stage three is what's called the delegation stage that starts at 20 employees. And okay. that's the first time. This is one of the hardest stages for CEOs to get through because this is what we call the transition from being owner centric to being enterprise centric. And this is the first time where the organization has so much complexity and so, so many people that one person cannot effectively manage and oversee all the efforts. Uh, totally. despite your talent, right? And so this is the delegation stage where you have to start delegating, which means you had to have grown people to to delegate to. Yeah, so so I really I really want to want to understand what um, what you're talking about when you say delegation. I'm assuming you're not talking about task delegation. Is that is that correct? That you're talking well, about a different type of delegation? Yeah, I mean obviously, um, you know, stage 1 if you get a through the end of stage one at 10 employees, you're having to delegate tasks, right? Work is yeah. being done by a variety of people. Stage two, uh, you probably have some people that are taking leadership. Maybe a few teams are being formed. Stage three, now, uh, once you get to 20 employees and, and that goes up to 34 employees, 
you don't have any choice. You have to delegate. You have to delegate responsibility. Yeah. You start to have to get more structure in that. Um, stage four, which comes after that, obviously, is the professional stage where now you're getting very formal departments in place that have professional mm. managers that are overseeing them. And as you can hear, I'm, I'm sure as Jordan, you're going through your own experience. One of the great values of having uh, this this methodology in front of you is you not only can see clearly where you are, but it actually predicts where you're going. And totally. so what what CEO wouldn't like to know what's going to happen a year from now, right? And you plan for that. And plan for it, right? So like, instead hey, guys, we're of just headed to stage two this year, we're headed to stage three. So right, right. And you say, okay, here's what stage three looks like. I can start to work on some things, or at least mentally prepare that I've got to change how I lead, what what uh, managers need to be in place, you know, uh, what level of confidence and caution do we have to have? What's mm -hmm. our focus between people, profit, and process? Because that changes for each stage. So all these rules, these best practices then are just placed in front of you and they become a nice roadmap to say, to really, we say it, it uh, diagnoses where you are, it prescribes what you need to do, but it also predicts what's coming next. Hmm. And that's the power of the methodology. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So what is the, walk me a little bit through the, the framework of, of how people actually shift between these, because I think a lot of people who are listening to this are in stage late stage one and then stage two and three, somewhere right in there. What advice yeah. do you have for them? What, what what kind of frameworks can you help us with just to add on a, you know, within a podcast here? Yeah. So I, I would just I, I would just start off and say, you know, understand that there are different stages of growth, that the rules are changing and being aware of that, that what worked in stage one is is not necessarily going to work in stage two. There's going to have to be some adjustments in stage three as well. And so the more you can align your organization with the best practices for each of those stage, you're essentially, well, the analogy we use since we're in Colorado, I like to hike mountains. And so, you know, when you're starting off on your hike and you're going to climb a 14 or here in Colorado, you don't put a bunch of bricks in your backpack. Well, most sane people don't, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you're misaligned with the rules of growth, that's kind of what you're doing. You, you're carrying all this additional weight and you're walking into a headwind as you're trying to climb up that mountain. You mm. may still get up to the peak, but it's going to take a lot of effort. And most of the time, people will will say at some point it's not worth the effort. And that's where they mm -hmm. stick. That's where they get stuck as an organization. They say, I, I don't, don't have the energy uh, to, to go further. And what they don't realize is that they they're carrying a bunch of weight that is holding them down. Mm. What is that weight like? Like, give give me some examples of 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 some of that. So you know, people who are listening well, can be like, "Oh man, that that's me. That's that's the weight that I'm carrying." Yeah. So um, there are different dimensions. We call them dimensions within the methodology. Think of them as like facets on a gem, and each one doesn't show you the full gem in its entirety, but they are important kind of perspectives to take. And I'll just give you yeah. one. This is one that's really uh, practical. It's called the three faces of a leader. 
three faces of a leader. And so the idea is that you as a leader, the CEO, can spend your time in three different ways, as a specialist, as a manager, and as a visionary. And mm. so the specialist is where you're rolling up your sleeves, you're really active in doing the work, you know, delivering to the clients. Maybe it's in a sales or business development role, but yeah. you are actively participating in the business. The manager face, we think of these as like different faces or masks that you wear. So the, the manager face is where you are leading and overseeing other people doing the work, as the name implies. Yeah. You're managing them to do the work. The visionary isn't, sometimes people think it's, well, you're just sitting around looking at the sky and think about big ideas. That's That may be part of it, but think of this as more, you're working on the business the other two are you're more working in the business. Yeah. So visionary is really casting the vision and looking at the big picture, but looking at things like your business model, your your values, all these kind of bigger things that are outside, they're really on the business as opposed to in the business. And so the three, three faces of a leader is a very easy one to understand and relate to. I think every CEO can understand visionary manager specialist. Yeah, we've what's all been in, there in all those. Yeah, <laughs> what's important to know is that the the percentage of your time changes over the stages mm. of growth, as you would kind of expect. In stage totally. one, uh, visionary should be 40% of your time, 10% as a manager, because it's a smaller organization, you're not having to manage so much, and then 50% of your time as a specialist. Again, mm. maybe doing the work, but very involved in the work, maybe business development. In part, yeah. if you're if you're leading the organization, there are specific talents you have that the organization needs you to be demonstrating, kind of pace setting, setting the standards. This is how we do this, um, and that's why specialists is fifty percent at stage one. Now, stage two, there's a slight modification. Stage two, still forty percent visionary, but now twenty percent manager and 40% specialists. So not a big mm. change, but basically you're managing more, your specialists less. Mm. And then in stage three, we have one of our big shifts. In stage three, the delegation stage, you are spending 10% of your time as visionary, 60% as manager, only 30% as specialist. The idea is that you are working mm. to create the vision in stage one, stage two, by stage three. The, for you to get to stage three, Typically, your vision had to be clear enough. You're working on your business enough. Stage three now becomes heavy manager. You are now delegating, and you have to manage and grow the people that you're delegating to. So, I, is um, that? I just want to step in for a sec here because I I know you know I run a mastermind with you know 40 members, so I have lots of yep. other CEO friends out there. I feel like most of most of those people in my life are horrific managers. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know, sorry, not horrific. It's just, that's not, that's not the strength. Uh, that's certainly not my strength in the, in our group of companies. Um, so how, how do you help people move into that? Because I, I, I totally, I, at first I was like, no, that's not, that's upside down, Matthew. That's upside down. You should be more visionary as you get bigger. But now, but just this like two minutes of talking, I'm like, oh man, of course you nailed it. Like, of course that makes sense. If you don't have a vision, how in the world can you grow to that level? Right. And so, again, this is this is not me. This is not my experience. It's not my 
interpretation of the world. This is 1,500 other small, mid-sized businesses that we've learned yeah. this from. So, you know, you can learn it on your own. And many CEOs, many entrepreneurs choose to do that. But you can also learn from the experience of others. And yeah. just, just kind of to take it this three faces out all the way to the end, in stage four, it's even higher manager. And that's from 35 to 57 employees. But then after stage four, stage five and out, you start to see that shift back to what you were thinking, less manager, more visionary, less specialist. Mm -hmm. And so you see that natural glide off of the specialist, a little bit less manager and back into that visionary role. But stage three and four are unique where the CEO really has to embrace the manager role. And what often happens, you're right, that that founder gets going, gets to stage three, there's just utter chaos because they're a bad manager. And oftentimes they'll have to hire that the first professional manager to help them ful fulfill that need in the organization. But if the if the uh, if the CEO isn't uh, meeting that need, often organizations will stall at stage three. Often will go back to stage two and kind of just that's where they end up in their life. So I'm Matthew. I'm a huge believer in you know we run all of our companies based on Clifton Strengths. I absolutely believe in in strengths we're, we're and big, in putting people in the right place, right? I, right? I know for myself, I have no managerial strengths. There's just, it's just not, not in me. I can understand how that, how that works in this sort of case. Cause you know, but between our companies, we're definitely more in stage four right now, um, mm -hmm. or maybe between stage three and four right now. And, but between, between our companies. And I think, again, this is just free, free consulting for me, Matthew. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think about, um, my, real principled belief and strengths for me it doesn't make sense to to somehow try to be a manager because i'm just not um at that point is the and I, but i'm really i'm a maximizer which is really good at finding other people's strengths and putting them in those those positions is right. that a, like in this methodology does that still make sense yeah it you you see the need of the organization if you can't fulfill it then you you have to find another alternative than yourself and that's fine that's fine that's that's totally i guess it's adequate. managing through people right yep. like you're yep. still fulfilling you're, that need but here's what can happen you as the ceo still need to grow that manager that you're put in place to do mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day management mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't just keep your head in the sky thinking big picture all the time. They yeah. need you. They need you in stage three and stage four because you see the bigger picture. You see where the organization is going better than they do and how that impacts the rest of the organization. So mm. you can't be hands off even in six and seven. If you're not doing the actual management and you bring in managers to do that, they still need you. And so... Um, it, it requires you to, whether it's, uh, we believe in strength finders as well and, and put in people and what we call the highest and best use. But as a CEO, you have to be more of a chameleon than your managers and everybody yeah, underneath them. You have to be able to step into areas that you're not strong in and meet the need of the organization adequately enough that it doesn't become a barrier. Totally. I would almost even think use use whatever your top strengths are to fill those voids, right? Like like go yep. in and be able if if you're not if you're not a great manager, then finding that person that could potentially do that seems like that that to right. me. Right. There's there's another dimension 
what we just talked about is three faces of a leader, and that's focused on the CEO. There's another dimension focused on the CEO, and that's called leadership styles. And this is another area where um, if if there are if you you have a set of natural leadership styles, they may not be a great fit for the particular stage you're in. You know, you might have one or two of the three that you need. Uh, if you only have one. You, in the same way, you can you can augment your strengths with others in the organization that will meet those other leadership needs that the company needs. Because you just that's a really tough sell to go from, say, uh, like I'm not a very commanding leader, and mm. so uh, you know when the organization needs that commanding, I've got to have some people that step into that and fulfill the commanding uh, leadership need at that point in time. Uh, it's just too big of a stretch for me. Uh, absolutely. Do you mind just b- before we, I'm going to ask you the question I have to ask everyone, but before that, can you walk me through what are those different leadership styles? Yeah, this comes from, um, I'm drawing a blank. It's from prime, primal leadership. Um, and I apologize for, uh, forgetting the author's name. He's from Harvard. It's a well, a well-documented study on leadership. So he identifies the, the, the six different leadership styles is visionary, coaching, commanding, pace setting, democratic, and affiliative. So those are the mm. six. And each what, one is what, is needed in different different stages. Yeah. So he, he identified these diff, six different styles. What what we've done is we've said, well, that's great, but there's just not one best leadership style. Um, and there's not just one style that needs to be used all the time. So what our research has found is that there is really a blend. There are three of those that make up the ideal primary, secondary, and tertiary style for each of the seven stages. Mm, And so uh, I'll just give you an example since you're in stage one and stage two kind of things. In stage one, it's visionary, coaching, commanding. Mm. Stage two, it's coaching, pace setting, commanding. And then in stage three, it's uh, facilitative, I'm sorry, coaching, democratic, pace setting. So uh, these, these, these are kind of Lego blocks that you need to put the top three together in theory for each stage. And uh, this is a, a great one. When I was running my first business and stumbled on this methodology, I realized I wasn't using the right leadership style. So I had adjusted that. And then I knew that when we got from stage one to stage two, I was going to have to shift some more. And then mm-hmm. stage three, shift some more. But it gave yeah. me this roadblock that I wasn't just, otherwise I would have just used whatever's natural. Whatever comes natural really? to me, that's how I'm going to lead. But now I could, I had a, a a guide map, right? To say, okay, put more into coaching. I'm, I'm good coaching, but I'm more visionary. So I'm, I'm really well suited mostly for a stage one, although I'm not commanding. Anyway, yeah. the bottom line is knowing what these blends are of those different leadership styles helps the leader know when they have to adjust. This is one of the rules or best practices that changes based on your stage of growth. Awesome. Matthew, I'm sure I could keep asking you question after question, but uh, we, we we both have time limits. So I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your okay. secret to scaling? My secret to scaling, um, we've kind of talked about it. So, uh, but just having a roadmap, uh, and I'll show you why it's practical. I had a business for 12 years. During those last eight of the 12 years, we were kind of in this range of revenue. 
In year 12, I found this methodology by its inventor. In three years, we tripled our revenue, tripled in, in, in our, uh, our revenue, our employees. And oddly enough, I had the business valued in year 12. We sold the business in year 15, and it was 10 times what we had it valued in year 12. Wow. I, wow. Having this, having a roadmap, not having to figure it out on your own and being aligned with the rules of growth, to me, is really the, the key to uh, scaling your business. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, Matthew. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. I do have three questions left for you. I hope that you're ready. Yep, yep. All right. First question for you. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Tool or app? Um, our team is seeing tremendous success with the use of Trello. Uh, Trello is, a, is kind of a task management, project management tool. It's very flexible. Uh, but uh, we went from an in-staff, you know, all together, like everybody else in 2020, we were all in one office. We've gone uh, hybrid, uh, but even in, in the office, the Trello app, how we use it has been a, light, a, a game changer for staying organized, keeping the team focused and keeping everybody up to date. Absolutely. Uh, any sort of Kanban system, I didn't understand them for a while. And at one of our businesses, we're actually moving over to, we're using monday.com, but it, okay. their Kanban style, similar to Trello and using yeah. Agile with it, uh, with some yes. of our, our projects. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, whoa, this is blowing my mind how great this works with my brain, seeing this project with the amount of, of uh, points that it gets and them being able to move it all over in these boards. I'm like... This is amazing. Any leaders out there that are looking like Kanban style stuff is really powerful. It very much is. Um, so that's, I would say, is the top tool. Did you ask for more than one? I can't remember. One's, one's great. I mean, we haven't had okay. Trello for ages. So that's a uh, shout out okay. to Trello for sure. Uh, second question for you, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Ooh, that's good. Um, you know, I get uh, for podcasts, uh, Greg, uh, uh, Craig Rochelle is, uh, is, uh, has a leadership podcast that I really like. He, uh, resonates with my value system, uh, but it's, a it's just great leadership content and that keeps me, keep me fresh. And, uh, I believe in John Maxwell as well, though I don't get into his podcast as much. I don't know why, but, uh, his statement of everything rises and falls on leadership has been kind of my leadership mantra for several decades. Mm. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to check out the Craig Rochelle one. That sounds uh, that sounds great. And guys, remember, anything that we talk about in this podcast, we will put in the show notes if we can find the links. So we do go through everything and make sure um, those show notes are like jam-packed with links. So please go check out the show notes uh, in there as well. And please feel free to go and visit some of our sponsors uh, who are in those show notes as well. That's a great place for you to find any of the offers that we have running with any of our sponsors. Matthew, last question for you. This is a bit of a tougher one. Um, you found out today that you've got a year to live. What changes in your life? That's a good question. Um, well, uh, my wife and I just celebrated, I'm going to get this wrong. I apologize, honey. Uh, 34, 35 years of uh, marriage. Uh, you know, it's the last year would be all about how much time I can spend with her. And, mm. um, you know, uh, she, she's been my business partner. She's helped us, you know, be financially successful. Um, we would just uh, probably just spend the year traveling the world and enjoying our time together. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Um, my last guest uh, re-asked the question back 
to me and and I think I'm going to I think I might make a bit of a shift uh after I gave my answer this morning. Uh yeah. which was which was all about just getting rid of my phone. It's like that's the one thing that keeps me from being present in most moments, you know, is like is that constant buzz or whatever that is. Um Yeah. And it's funny I've asked this question probably to about 10 guests now. I, I just changed this one recently and it's a uh, um it definitely makes you think like be like okay well, if i'm going to change that now is is that something or sorry if i'm going to change that when i when i know i'm going to live for only another year maybe that's something i need to change now obviously you can't yep. just go and travel the rest of your life that's and you wouldn't find the same kind of meaning in that if you, right. you know now but like but i think there's some principles around that anyway so no i i think that's a very good observation what you want to do for that last year that uh probably is a priority that needs to be there while you're still living. No, that's a, that's a great uh, observation. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, thank you. This was a great conversation. I could have just kept uh, asking question after question, um, but I'll have to save that. Uh, where can people find out uh, more about you, more about the Rewild Group and how they can potentially work with you? Yeah. So it's easiest is just going to rewildgroup.com. So it's R-E, so Rewild rewildgroup.com. And um, uh, there's information there. If you're a consultant looking to add more tools to your tool belt, if you're a business owner, we have a lot of uh, self-directed resources there. In particular, there is a calculator called the stage calculator. Go figure out what stage you're in. That's the starting point. You got to know what stage you're in to know what the rules are that you need to be following. Awesome. That's great. I'm going to go to that uh, right after. For people who are listening to this, and it's it's surprising how many people have multiple companies within their groups. Uh, do you count that per company, or is that a group a group wide metric as far as stages of growth? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, if you have if the if the teams are working very fairly isolated, it would be that team. So if you had three companies and there's 10 people in each, but they are really separate entities and those people don't overlap. Those would be three stage one businesses. If you have, you know, if you combine them and you're really sharing resources, then I think it's more that uh, macro level that you would look at. Um, That makes a lot of sense. I should also say we've got uh, a, a great book series. We're on our second series on Amazon. We've got the seven stages of growth books out there on Amazon. And then we have 11 elements of an exceptional business where we just released our fourth book there. Um, so they're very one hour reads, very practical. So that's a good low cost resource if you're wanting to learn more. Absolutely. Guys, remember, I will put all of that, uh, all of those resources uh, in the show notes for you to check out. Matthew, thank you again so much for your time today. Okay, Jordan, really appreciate it. Thanks for your, your time. Awesome. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses 
businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.